Welcome to the Shine Shine Geek the Shine Geek and Fast Fret Podcast. Done. Well done. Okay, we're gonna use that. <laughs> So what was your second favorite track off of uh, OU812? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what we're talking about. Let's see here. Let's see. I got the, I got the list. <laughs> <laughs> see, this is, this is how they show. And you know it, what? Cobble Wobble. I don't remember how that even goes. All right. Let me. Uh... Okay. So do you want me to tell you what the number one song was? Or do or do you want test? We'll work through the album, and then um, and then you want to guess, or or do you want to know up front what the top ten tracks were? Sure, you can tell me the top ten. Okay, Habo Abo was number one. Okay, but I don't by a landslide, would that be your number one? Which one? Habo Abo. I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to hear it again. Well, luckily we have the technology, so let's just do that. Yeah, let's do a little clip. A little clip here. So it's uh, track four. Can you hear that? Yep. Fucking Alex. God damn it. Can you hear that? Yeah. Do the, the drums sound way better on this remaster. Can you hear the drums? I can hear the drums, but I'm not, I wasn't really concentrating on the whole lot. Yeah. Just but, when he fucking comes in, da, 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 da. <laughs> like it sounds to me. How is it because it's been remastered? I think so. I don't remember the drums sounding that crisp, that clear, that punchy before. This sounds like okay, okay, so let's 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 do an experiment here. Yeah, the old version. Uh I don't even want to listen to the old version, but I want to um okay, listen to this. Okay, I want you to focus on the drums here. 
Okay, now. The tempo is up a little bit, but it's the same beat. But the 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 um, the I don't know how I I don't know. I'm a drummer. I don't know all the proper terminologies, but the that he's doing on the bass drum the way there's there's um there's almost a stall when he hits that bass drum it's it's so bonham it's so bonham yeah I, i've never really noticed that alex was a was a zeppelin fan i know he is but i've never really keyed in until i heard this remaster and i'm like oh my god this sounds like um and i was trying to think what the song was and i'm like oh my god like it's got that same feel. There's a groove to that beat. It's not just do do da do do. It's like do do. Like there's a, I don't know how to describe it. It's just there's that sexy, very raw. Yeah, but it it's, sounds so good. Yeah, it's not. It's not over processed. It's like it's very natural. It's almost like, um. It sounds like the mic's on the drum. You can hear like the, the vibration stripping. in the room. I mean, it's stripping your body down to a certain portion of your body that actually has that rhythm mm -hmm. part. And then as you play that, you can really get into it. Like yeah. the Zeppelin's got a very, you know, it's I'm here, here we go, type of thing. And then you can really feel it. Yeah. Um, the OU812 ver like that type of beat that you were showing yep it's the rpm has gone up a little bit so it's oh, a little yeah, bit, yeah. the tempo yeah. is a little, a little more uh it's not but quite the style, the same there the style, there's the same similar style i feel in there yeah. but when you when you kick it back a few you know uh the tempo then it really you can really feel it more i guess you could yep. say just gets um, your yeah, Alex's snare is like, geez, it, I love his snare sound. Ah, I don't know. This was the number one on Podcast Will Rock. Spoilers. This was the this is what was voted number one. Okay. How much do you like this song? Do you like it enough to put it as a number one? Or do you need to evaluate as we go through a couple more songs here? Oh yeah, we need to evaluate. Okay. But I mean, how does it stand right now? You've heard all we listened to was AFU and Cabo Wabo. Uh listen listen to a couple more. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next song is Source of Infection. Well, you know how it, when it's love goes, right? Yeah. And you know mine all mine? Is that one you're familiar with? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mine all mine was my number one. Hands down, no hesitation in voting at number one for me. Like, what a way to open an album, in my opinion. It's fucking amazing. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but. You know, it's been so long since I've really listened to the album. Okay, well, let's listen to Mine All Mine for a second or two. Fair enough? Okay. Yep.
Yeah. Do you know? Oh yeah. yeah. I definitely recognize it. Um, you know, when Van Halen uh, did the 5150, it was like, okay, well now we've gone from the Dave era to the Sammy era. So there's a chunk of it that changed. Um, there's a lot of Dave fans that probably don't like a lot of stuff that Hagar does. Sure. But you have to really realize that you've taken the band and you've kind of divided it and you've added another element to it, which is the reason why, you know, Sammy, there's the Sammy era. Whoops. Oh, mm. was that? <laughs> there's the Sammy era and then there's the Dave era. And for myself, I find that the Dave era was a whole different genre altogether. Yeah. Once, once Hair came in, it was great. I mean, it was it was great music, but it was just a little bit different. A little bit, a little bit yeah. different. It's like a different band, almost, almost. I mean, and same with Wolfie. I mean, Wolfie is not his dad, and it's not his type of style. But he has his own style, and it's great. It is great for his type of style. Yeah, like everyone, it's almost like a different era. And some people argue like the Dave era was either better or worse than the Sammy era, you know, type of thing. And and I mean, there's there's different views on different ways. And I think they were they were going to be doing a, a reunion at some point, uh, or not a reunion, but at least I think um, was it Sammy and and Mike were going to get together and do a tour with yeah. Uh, Satriani, mm -hmm. and I think they were talking about maybe having Dave on, but it would only be like for one night or two nights or something, like that. not for the whole tour, <laughs> because yeah. I don't, I don't think he. Yeah, can, we covered we covered that with Eric. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he a room you know that long with them, but because Dave and Sammy had that tour they did together when they were both out of Van Halen, they did a co-headlining tour and they would swap who's the headliner. Yeah, there was a it was a and that was a dis fucking disaster. Amazon thing, yeah. There was, there was uh, something on TV that had it. I was watching. It was. But was it like a documentary on it? Yeah. Oh shit, that'd be worth watching. Yeah. Really good. <clears throat> but um, I mean, yeah, it was different. Like it was, like, do you remember? Like I, I, I remember this so fucking vividly. So when '84 came out, the album '84 came out. Yeah, that was my and first my album album. That was, but that was our introduction to Van Halen, right? And then you went backwards in the catalog and I stole all your tapes to listen to it. <laughs> but you, you started going backwards in the catalog and I don't know the order you bought them in, but that's how you discovered Van Halen. And so then it's like, okay, when's the next, like, I remember for me, it was like, okay, when's the next Van Halen album? 84 is amazing. They have this amazing back catalog that we never heard before. Right. Holy shit. Like when the next Van Halen album comes out and the band broke up. Yeah. And was like, we, we, we just got on board. You can't do that. <laughs> I remember being so upset. It's like, you can't release 1984 to the world, introduce the world to Van Halen, tell the world, hey, we're Van Halen. We're awesome. And then you and I, jump on board and we're like oh my god these guys are amazing they're amazing i can't see i can't wait to see what they're going to come up with next and then they just break up like for for me it's kind like, of at the time it's like they well they just got together but obviously they hadn't right yeah you know, like the stones or, or queen or whatever would have you know once once they get their their, their hits 
and people start to go, hey, who are these guys? And all of a sudden, poof, gone. Yeah. Like the Beatles. And they're like, oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, they did have a lot of success before that, but it was this, it was this incremental climb. They were, they were getting bigger and bigger. And then 84 was the album that really, really, truly broke them. And the back catalog started selling after 84 because people were like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, once they were recognized. That's right. the first part. Yeah. Because you, you, you have to understand we understand this but current generation kelsey van halen who's a frequent uh, contributor to the podcast will rock like she's too young to know what it was like for us to be in this time who is this kelsey van halen she's a frequent uh she's a fan of podcast will rock massive van halen fan is that her last name no that's just oh. her Twitter handle, but no. <laughs> okay. but anyway, but like, like oh, I didn't, I didn't realize she had it. She's the most popular popular guest on podcast. Will rock. She, she she's awesome. I I think she's she's phenomenal, but yeah. she's younger. She's she's a young person that discovered Van Halen, which is awesome that another generation can still discover Van Halen, not the same way we did. It'll be different, right? But if someone discovers Van Halen now, the whole catalog's already there. But we were living in the era, right? So, but but the thing is, there was no social media back then. So, the possibility of us hearing Van Halen was through chance, through a lot of luck and a lot of chance for us to hear Van Halen before 1984. They had to cross over with Jump, with the song Jump, and become massive for us to even know they existed. That's the way radio existed back then for us because we lived in Bohunk, New Brunswick. Bohunk. Population. Fairies. Middle of nowhere where all they play is fucking Burton Cummings and fucking Anne Murray. There's no way for us to find out who a Van Halen is. It's impossible. And the only way to hear about a great band that doesn't get the, the radio airplay in a place like ours the only way to hear about them is through luck and circumstance. It's the only way to hear about a band that's great, that hasn't broken through through all styles of radio. They'll play Jump on CK, what was it? What was the CKCW or whatever? CKCW, yeah. Right? The only way for us to hear about them through radio, which was CKCW, was for them to have a crossover hit like Jump that that broke through. That's the only way to find out about a band like that. It's impossible to find out about a band otherwise, unless you have some stoner guy that lives in Moncton who, who searches the record bins and travels and finds a vinyl of, of Van Halen one or Van Halen two or women and children first. And Hey, come into my bedroom in the basement back room <laughs> in front of the pool. And they take you into this dark, cloud sh like shadowy area and they put the vinyl on and they play van halen 2 for you that's the only way to find van halen back then from where we lived in the middle of nowhere that's the only way to discover a band like that so when 1984 comes out it's a crossover hit and that's the only way for us to know that van halen even existed and to go back and listen to the back catalog because now at least you have a point of reference to know holy fuck, these guys are awesome. And they have more than one album. This isn't their debut because for me, it was their debut. I didn't know any better until, you know, you started going to whatever it was, Sam the Record Man or whatever it was, <laughs> to find the back catalog, right? Exactly. So, 
So for us, 84 was their debut album until we, you know, until you thank, thank you, Todd, for going and finding the rest of the albums, because there's no way for us to know. Otherwise there was no much music. There was no MTV. There was Burton fucking Cummings and, and fucking Murray dictating what we need to listen to. That's all we had. Well, I mean, what, I mean, I listened to Triumph. I listened to Rush. How did you find them, though? Brian Adams. Because they weren't playing them on C- CKCW. Yeah, well, I think they were, yeah. Because CKCW was point? kind of the pop station. And then it was like 104, 102, or 101, or whatever it well, was. Well, this, was this post-80? FM, but that was all country. Country had FM. Right. It came in clear. It came in great. But the stuff that you wanted to hear was all AM, and it was all mono. It just sounded like crap. But that was back in the day. I mean, th- things have changed since then, obviously. Right. But so what was the station? CKCW was what back then? It was the Moncton Pre-1984. What were they just, playing? It was AM. It was just, uh, I don't know, Dire Straits. Just the music of the era, which was kind of classic rock, I guess. But they wouldn't have played Van Halen in pre-1984, right? I mean, they. I, I mean, we had heard of Van Halen probably on the radio i don't know i can't even remember how i even got this album in 1984 i must have said i liked i wanted to van halen well well, jump was played on the radio right like the jump was the number one song or the number two song depending on who you talk to at the time it was it was it was big one of those big radios they put it on your shoulder right exactly and then the tape player you know, type of thing. I think there's a picture of me with my leather jacket. I got my shoes on, and I got this thing up wrapped around. Flip shades, and I got Van Halen in there playing Top Jimmy. Oh God! <laughs> so, yeah. so at the time when '84 comes out, we have this big build-up. The '84 tour, which is never going to fucking play Moncton. There's no chance it's going to play Moncton. And we're like, oh my God! Like, I'm almost like, and I'm too young. There's no way dad would have let me go to a concert at that age, at that time. Maybe you, because I think you were seeing. So did you discover Triumph before Van Halen or after? It was Triumph and Rush and then Van Halen in that order? Triumph, Thunder 7. Or was it Honeymoon Suite? Wait, I can't remember. It was my very yeah, first I'm looking up Thunder 7. When did Thunder 7 come out? Thunder 7, by the way, is a Triumph album. Right. and Or it was Honeymoon Suite. the other one was one was the 
And I remember bringing the Newport. It was a 72 Newport. Holy shit. Yeah, Thunder 7 was 1984, dude. Wow. November yeah. 1984. Yeah, that's probably... So that's yeah. literally... We're, we're young okay. Women. Okay. People might not, know who, might not know who Triumph is. It's not really possible. We were probably 16 at the time. Wh which... Okay, can you see my screen here? Which song should I put on just just to give it a sample to the to to the kids out there listening? The first the first track that was the big single I know. Well, that was the opening track, but then Spellbound, mm -hmm. Follow Your Heart. What do you think? Um, or a different one. Jesus. Uh, yeah, try Follow Your Heart. Yeah. Okay. Can't remember the. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember how it goes with cool down and rock. Huge hit in Canada, folks. Rock, rock, rock. This was. This was. This had to be a number one in Canada. Yeah, had to be. Okay, let's uh, take a listen. That was a Gilmore uh, lead vocal there on that one. Yeah, that wasn't the Rick Emmett. Did he so. do Spellbound too? Mm, without hearing it, sort okay, of. Yeah, let's no. hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, so Spellbound was the other single. I think it was the opening single because they 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 led with the less popular song, and, and I realized I said "Follow Your Heart," very Canadian, very uh, Bret Hart. <clears throat> I'm Bret Hart from Calgary. Calgary. Lawler, you wanted a big fight. You wanted to start a fight with the hitman. You wanted to start a war? Well, you did, because you started a fire underneath the hitman that only I can put out. You started something that I'm going to finish, and I can promise you one thing. You may have ruined one of the most important moments of my career. You may have ruined the King of the Ring coronation. You may have jumped me and beat me like a dog, but I can promise you one thing. I can promise you when you step in the ring with the hitman at the SummerSlam, you'll be facing a totally different breed of cat. I am going to wipe you out. I am going to destroy you, Jerry Lawler. And I can promise you, I am going to take you to the gallows and you will be excellently executed. Great intro, too. Yeah, what the fuck? Why is Gilmore getting all the singles on this album? Because that—that's not at Rick Emmett. No, but 
I mean, I think they shared a lot of the singing. They did share a lot of the singing. Oh. Huh. Hmm. I never realized that the two lead singles off this album were both Gilmore uh, vocals. It's the same as when you listen to the Eagles. It's not always the same person singing. No, no. Sometimes it could be Joel Walsh. Sometimes it could be Glenn Fry. Sometimes it could be. I mean, it just depended on who was uh, who wanted to step step up to the mic. I think they all sang. I think so. Yeah. So there's like you couldn't really because some bands when you hear the singer, uh, like say Led Zeppelin, you would know exactly. Okay, it's a Led oh, Zeppelin yeah, yeah. just by the sound of the singer. Yeah. But when you have a band that has multiple singers and they mm. all take a different song, then it's like you have to kind of go with, okay, well, the the groove that the band plays in is what you have to kind of go by going, okay, that is, say, the Eagles. Yeah. Senich had a, an amazing interview with Rick Emmett from Triumph. Kind oh. of explained uh, some of the, the, the who was singing what song. There's a, a bit he talked about that where um, I, I might... I'm paraphrasing as best as I can from recollection of listening to that episode, but it was something along the lines of Gil would say he needed more songs to sing. So I, it sounded like Rick Emmett wrote most of the songs and then he was like, okay, Gil take this one. And so at one point Levine, he was kind of like the record producer. Levine said, well, how about Rocky? Anyway, we, we needed songs for Gil to sing. Cause I didn't really have a problem writing songs that I could sing. But then Gil would sort of be lagging in terms of creatively. He had so many other things he was doing, kind of managing the band and like, you know. Right. I think initially, I think it was mostly Emmett was like the main vocalist and Gilmore was like the backup vocalist who had a few. And then eventually they, it just kind of trended more to kind of be a little bit even between the two of them. Right. But I think Rick Emmett was writing the songs is my understanding for, from that interview anyway, but. Yeah, it's possible. So, okay, so based on the release of this, so you would have heard, so you would have been aware of the album before Thunder 7 then. Well, don't forget, I mean, I'm working at the co-op making, you know, $3.80 an hour or whatever. <laughs> is that, and, yeah. Is, is, is that actual? I think that's actual, yeah. Okay. When Allied Forces was the big one. It had magic power. Yeah. See, you fight could... Like I say, when you work at the co-op and you're only making, you know, minimum or yeah. whatever time, I didn't have a whole lot of money to spend on on albums. So when I did, it was like it had to be, it had to make it count, right? Oh God, so yeah. seven at the time was the new one that came out, and that's yeah. why. And it was never, popular. So I mean, the 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 gamble of buying it is probably not too high because you you know you've probably heard two of the songs on the radio at the time. Yeah, because Allied Forces, I never did buy that album. I never did get that one. No. Nope. Do you think when 84, 1984 came out, do you think it kind of changed the format of radio? Because I feel like in the year 1984-ish, around that time, that we got a lot more better music on the radio. We started straying away from the Anne Marie's and Burton Cummings and Gordon Lightfoot and Glenn Campbell and that sort of... Sh like, I, I feel like there was a shift... And this is my head. This is how I remember it. That suddenly in 1984, we actually started getting good music. Like Huey Lewis, the new news I could hear on the radio.
distinctly. I remember hearing Queen on the radio. hearing um wang chung and um um uh, holland oats We are hearing, like, I'm not saying all this stuff was great, but at least it wasn't, and fucking Murray. I'm sorry I keep going on the same diatribe, but. Well, it was it was our era. I mean, that was our, that was the music that we grew up on. I mean, the people of the 50s and 60s have their versions of, of the bands that they grew up with. And, I mean, their parents probably didn't approve of what they listened to and, you know, so on and so forth as it kind of goes down, down the line. It's like, well, what is that? That's not music music that's just a bunch of noise right yeah very true but it depends on on the genre like the pop music i mean everybody it was like if you if you're a pop band you were noticed because you were played on the radio if you went by your own rules and said you know what i'm just gonna play what we play and that's it kind of like rush it's like yeah. we're not we're not a pop band that's no you know it's got uh, you know a chorus, a bridge, and you know whatever the the structure is for a regular song, with someone singing, saying, "Okay, wait a minute, you're it's like three to four minute song, right?" With with them, it's it's totally different. It's a whole different arrangement. It's a whole different yes. style. The progressive rock, it's 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 all different. But people came around to Rush, in terms of uh, global appeal, right? Like they did their thing, and eventually people came around to them. They stayed true. They stayed focused. They did the music they wanted to do. And eventually everyone came on board for Rush, right? It was one of those things where they didn't really, they weren't really selling out. They were always doing what they wanted to do. And I think the same thing kind of happened to Van Halen when they broke in in 1984 was like, you know what? Like, we're just going to keep doing our thing. We're still selling, like, even though maybe they weren't getting radio airplay on CKCW and places like that before 1984 eventually if something is good enough people like the mainstream press will like i always uh, equate that to um and i i don't mean to be throwing shade but like 92 and 97 in the day back in the day and uh i will say thank god for brian cook because i feel like he broke a lot of bands that maybe wouldn't have had a chance but Let's rewind a little bit here, but I feel like those two stations were six months to a year behind 
playing a band that had broken, like a, like a Van Halen-ish type of band. I remember there was a few bands like, um, um, there's a few bands that broke on indie radio and were huge on indie radio. And their album had been out for like a year, two years. And then two years later, all of a sudden, 92 and 97 are playing this band. It's like, dude, you're two years fucking late on this. Well, it's a delay. It's not like nowadays where everything is instantaneous. I mean, something happens yeah. in Iraq and then you know within five minutes of what's going mm -hmm. on. Whereas back then, the new music industry was, it's hot back there. Okay, fine, but how long is it going to take? It's not yeah. instantaneous. It, 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 no, it, it wasn't. Goal, right? Information and it took has to go from one person to the next and to the next to the next, and then everyone makes their opinion and, and wants to say either play it or listen to it. And it's always interesting that eventually a mainstream radio station, CKCW, I'm sorry, I don't mean to shit on them, but um, we're going to play that Van, that, that Van Halen band. Like To me, that's how it felt like. It's like, okay, mainstream radio is finally going to play Van Halen. You know what? They're actually cool. No, they've been cool for the last, you know, whatever it was, seven years or whatever it was. They've been cool this whole time. And you guys have finally said, yeah, you know what? They're actually kind of cool. Well, it's only play because but, they play a commercial song. Like yeah. Jump was a commercial song. Panama was yeah. a commercial song. That was, they were able to play on the radio. Yeah. And people could accept it. But then I think right. they went back and then, okay, well, we're going to play Shouting with the Devil or we're going to go play uh, um, uh, You Really Got Me or, or whatever. Like, I, I feel like they went back and like, okay, well, we can play these songs now because we've decided they're cool enough around the around the world that we can accept that they're cool. We don't want to really play them if they're not cool. We're not really sure if they're cool yet, but we'll wait till they're cool to, for us to play them. I always felt there was that idea that mentality with bands like van halen and whatever in bohunk in new brunswick bohunk population very that's not where we're from we're actually from shadyak but anyway bohunk people are looking on google map where the fuck is oh, new brunswick where the fuck's that <laughs> it's right near moncton guys right near dieppe it's in shadyak right <laughs> nb near booktush yeah near booktush and be near Booktush. Yeah. Oh my God, that's right. But anyway, but I always, I remember being mad as 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 a teenager, going, "Why can't you guys? Why can't you guys discover shit? Why do you have to wait till something's popular to listen to it? Why can't you discover shit?" And when we talked to Eric Senich a million times, I think this came up a million times. Every time we talked to Eric, is how radio stations. The reason he got into radio was. You discover bands and you break bands. You play a band and you break them on the radio. You tell people, these guys are awesome. You have to listen to it. Just like Happy Harry Hardon in the Pump Up the Volume movie where he's like, you guys have to hear this. It's the latest track by the Beastie Boys.
and then he'd play it. Beastie Boys weren't popular at the time, but he played a Beastie Boys track because he thought it was cool. And then all of a sudden people were like, oh my God, the Beastie Boys are awesome. That's what radio used to be. And then they're like, mm, no, we're going to wait till things are popular and make sure they're popular, make sure they've been in fashion for a while before we play them. And that's what Eric was complaining about. Was like, you can't. It's like, that's a corporate. Yeah. Mentality. Yeah. Corporate mentality for sure. You know, the whole purpose of radio for me is to break new music, to break new artists, to reveal to the world, holy fuck, I just heard something and it blew my mind. You have to hear this. I'm sharing this right now. See, that would have to be a specific station. Because if no, you have, that's I mean, how radio was back in the day. That's how Elvis made it. That's how Little Richard made it. That's how um, fucking Eagles made it. Oh, just someone I mean, heard, heard their songs. Like, Holy fuck! You guys, are, your minds are going to be blown when I play this. And that's what they did. Yeah, but it's not how it is. The, the people up here tell the people down there what to play. You don't know what's what's fucking good. You know how you get paid. You know how corporate sponsorship works. You know the record label is telling you, hey, um, there's a new Drake song out there, and I think we should play it ad nauseum. You know, like <laughs> going off on a tangent and drinking too much whiskey, apparently. Whiskey, yeah, mine, mine's a little Apparently, the album 1984 was a big deal, and the music revolution that happened on radio and video after this album was incredibly impactful. But don't worry. I think we're back on track and Todd and I will finish our rankings of Van Halen's OU812 next week. Yes. Only our show could be so long in the tooth that we need a three-part episode to talk about one single album. Be back next week. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. And bye. Have a good day.